0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Lighten Radio with your host, Jay-Z Bound. Are you ready to see what you have in store for yourself? In this program, we'll help you make the incredible transformation into the person who gets to live their fullest potential, plus share life skills, tips, and experiences that Jay-Z has learned as an intuitive. Now, let's get started. Here is Jay-Z Bound.
1: Welcome. As a medical intuitive, theta healer, and acupuncturist, I get clients sometimes who are working through the challenges of either having had someone close to them die, or who are close to death. Or that their own mortality is being threatened or has recently been threatened due to a health concern. I encounter so much fear about death and just just a lack of information and knowledge which creates the fear. Um, And I feel it is an important subject that requires some insight because knowledge empowers as well as helps to dismiss fears. Being a near-death experiencer myself, I came to the conclusion that it is important for me to speak up and educate others about near-death experiences, which is why I'm pleased to discuss this topic on today's show. And I'm joined by Ross Waddell, uh, co-leader of INDS Vancouver. A warm welcome to you, Ross.
2: Uh, Thanks for having me, Jay-Z. It's uh, nice to be on your show.
1: And, um, well, firstly, I want to thank you so much for... Um, hosting and um, facilitating the, um, the space in which people can come and share their experiences um, because I know this is all volunteer work and it is, you know, it is a, a very important subject. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for this service that you're providing for us.
2: Well, you're welcome, and uh, I agree with what you said that it's important to um, pro- provide a space for people to come, um, and also to uh, for others who haven't had the experience to learn about uh, what near death experiences are. Um, it's it's helpful to people's understanding of life and death and, and the experience of dying. Um, and it's it certainly uh, hearing from people who have gone through that um, and survived it um, helps to, um, helps other people with their fear around this uh, particular event in life. Uh,
1: what does INDS stand for? Uh, what is it? Why, why and why was it formed?
2: Well, um, it's called IANS—a uh, fast way of saying it. Um, it's the okay. International Association for Near Death Studies. Uh, it's an organization that was started in the United States in 1981, um, and it's uh, it's based in the United States. It has uh, the head office there. There are also uh, regional groups or local groups in cities throughout the U.S. and some in Canada, as well as in Europe and a few other places around the the world. Um, And it's an organization that brings experiencers together with researchers who conduct research on the near-death experience, Um, and from that, then, the research is used to educate the public about near-death and related experiences, and the organization also provides support to people who have had near-death or related experiences.
1: And uh, that, that's a tremendous service, and I'm, as a near-death experience, so grateful for that that uh, that network, because you know after my experience, like I said, I felt a, a need. Actually, it didn't come instantly. It came 17 years later. A need to share. It's like, no, this is important. This has to get out there. And the the this uh, IANS is, you know getting the the evidence the research and and compiling all of this to really you know bring us together and like look this is this is real this is how it is (laughs) so i'm so grateful for that Um, and i
2: is is sort of an interesting organization in that it brings the researchers together with the people that they're researching so um for example the ions uh, which was i think i mentioned was formed in 1981 but it was Um, started by, actually, researchers in the medical disciplines, Um, not necessarily medicine, but it would include um, doctors, physicians, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, medical sociologists. Uh, They came together because they were receiving reports from patients about this experience. And um, so that was how it started, but then the organization now um, has a 40 year plus research base um, as well as thousands of experiences around the world that belong to the same organization and it holds an annual conference um, usually in the US um, one time in Canada it was once in Vancouver in 1999 um, but The conference brings together all of those people, so it's unusual for that as a kind of a a conference which has a medical component or medical content. Is that it's bringing together those researchers with the people that have had the experience in the same room, and they're both an integral part of the organization.
1: What is the definition of a near-death experience?
2: Well, this is probably the most difficult question you're going to uh, ask me for me to answer because IONS has a definition, but it's it's kind of long, and it, I'm not sure it really helps people understand it. I've come up with my own, which I think is perhaps a little more helpful, and it also... Um, takes into account the fact that the definition is changing as we do more research on the experience. So what we would have described the experience as being in 1981 is not what we describe it today, as today. So what I would call it, it's a profound experience, so that means it's an extremely meaningful experience that occurs as a consequence of a crisis or a sudden change from one's normal embodied life that leads to a new understanding of one's own existence and the meaning of life. And as we get into more discussion about what the experience is, I can explain why I, I define it in terms of a crisis or a sudden change, because we think that it's because of a physical crisis, but it isn't always because of that. Sometimes there's not a physical involvement necessarily, or not that we would understand as being physical.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I actually agree with you there. What are the common features of an NDE or near death experience? NDE for short.
2: Well, there's a lot of them. So I have a big long list of what I call the elements of uh, an NDE. I, I w- and they are um, an NDE is unique to the person who experiences it. So. There may be commonalities um, that a person would share with someone else who had an experience, um, but each one is is unique to each person. And the research base has come up with um, what are sort of the most common elements, and in sort of defining or. Describing whether someone has had an experience, if they have so many of those elements, then it's decided whether or not they had an experience or not. I think increasingly that's less important. Um, What is important is what the experiencer feels that they went through. And so I can give some common elements that your listeners might have heard or have experienced themselves. The first one, um, and they may or may not have had any one of these elements. So the first one is being out of body. That's pretty common, um, the feeling of being outside of one's um, body. Um, And the ones I'm gonna give you following this, they sound kind of linear, like one would come after the next, but that's not necessarily the case. They might, they might not. You might have some of them, you might not have others. seeing the body from above, where once you're outside of your body, you're in a place where you're looking down on it from somewhere else. This is commonly reported by people who are in surgery, and they come out of their body, and they're up in the corner of the room looking down on the body being operated on by the medical team. Um, You could move into... um, a place of darkness, some describe it as a place of nothingness. there's just nothing existing in this place, even you would be questioning whether you existed being in this place. Um, some see it sort of more physically as a darkness. A common one is commonly heard one, but it 's not always experienced is moving through a tunnel um, and Experiences can be culturally based as well, so we tend to hear about the tunnel or something like a tunnel. Um, More in Western experiences, uh, those that are reported in Europe and North America, whereas in uh, the East, that will not necessarily be reported. And then there's the manifesting in in the direction of thought. So as you're thinking, whatever you think about, that suddenly becomes the focus of your experience. It could be anything. You could be thinking about a person. It might be that. That that person suddenly becomes present. Um, Or it could be a place. Um, It could be a feeling. Um, But where you think is where you then are focused. Some people have experience of a being of light, or an intensity of light. It could be just the light itself, or it could be a light that's somehow personified, or what we would understand as being personified. Heightened senses and perceptions. Extrasensory or or extra perception from what we know is normal here. Intense emotions. um, The feeling of a spiritual realm. um, It's not that It's all spiritual. It could be understood as somewhat embodied, but not embodied in the same sense that it would be here. Some people, in their experience of the spiritual realm, see deceased loved ones or experience deceased loved ones. They may not be seeing it, per se. They just may feel it, or there may be other spiritual beings. Um, And what I call transmaterial environments. So places... But not experienced in the same way they're experienced here. It's all extra dimensional. It's outside the dimensions that we know here, and it's super real. Um, so, experiencers will often describe this as being a thousand, a million, a billion times more real than this life that we know now. Um, there's some other elements over and above those, um, but I would say those are among some of the common ones but not necessarily commonly experienced by all people um and some may only have one some may have all of them
1: well thank you so much it's such an interesting subject um to start off with the uh out-of-body experience one's consciousness can be in different locations and can be different to the person's physical body Some astral projections and out-of-body experience are vertical, that is, the experience that accurately describes objects or events that they were not physically in a state or position to observe. Occasionally in a session, my client will report having left their body and are witnessing what is happening from the ceiling, or they may go to another dimension or place completely. Astral projection is closely related to the out-of-body experience, near-death experience, lucid dreaming, and even remote viewing. The difference between them is that astral projection is consciously in, is a consciously-induced out-of-body experience. Uh, everybody has the ability to astral project, And out-of-body experiences provide an excellent argument when it comes to the idea that consciousness is not confined to the body or the brain and that consciousness survives our physical bodies. So um, I think this is a good um, uh, introduction to my near-death experiences, which I'd love to share with you. Um, uh, I was hit by a car on my motorbike at 18 years old my right leg had been crushed and I'd lost a tremendous amount of blood. And I felt like I was starting to lose consciousness. I was spinning in an anti-clockwise motion and it was getting faster and faster uh, until in the end, I just, I just flew off. Um, I, was, I, was, I was spinning at such a tremendous speed and then suddenly uh, it was, I was in this, this space, um, Actually, I had this, this guy hold my hand, and um, he was talking to me, and it sounded like an echo. So it was hard to understand what he was saying. It was like, um, what what was was he 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 saying? And then I was gone, and. Um, I was suddenly in space. I was completely still, quiet, motionless. There was a peace. I wasn't scared. And there was this sense of nothingness. And then the next thing I knew, I was in my body again. Um, I was unable to move. I sensed that I was in an ambulance. And I was conscious. I could hear the paramedics talking. And after a few seconds, I was then able to move and open my eyes. Um, So I assume at least 15 minutes had passed for... For these events to have taken place, that I knew had to take it place, you know, like they had, to, I had to have some specialist come out and check my spine, and get transported into the ambulance. So, I, I knew a period of time had passed, and it was so much longer than my time up there in space. Um, and it, it was, took me years to conclude that it was an out of out of body experience that was induced by a near death experience. At the time, I just I just fainted from loss of blood. That was my my understanding of, of it. Um, and then I had another incident sometime later in hospital. Um, it was the same night, the same evening. And I believe I was alone because uh, I wasn't aware of other people or noises. I had um, um, five significant things happen. Number one, I was pain. Th- pain free and this is very significant because i would come later to find out that any of the drugs i was given were unable to completely remove the pain and it actually took four or five years after that accident to begin experiencing moments of being pain free so for those four or five years i was constantly in a state of pain i never ever ever got a second of break um and so that that was very profound, um, and I believe that was a message message for me. Um, I'm not sure if that's a symptom. It, it can can is that a symptom of being uh, pain free? Um, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being pain free. Um,
2: yeah, it is reported by some. Those that would be um, that would have. Um, the, the, the NDE would be a consequence of um, an injury, for example, um, a traumatic injury like you had, um, where they should be experiencing pain, but as they go into the experience, there is no pain, and there could be, as you described it, this this experience of peace. Um, you know, any the, the full um, range of the embodied experience to the what we would described as being the spiritual experience of being without pain. So,
1: yeah. um, the, the, other, the second significant thing was I was in my body and, and I was consciously aware, I was feeling the gravity pushing my body onto the bed. And it, it felt good. And and that is different to a lot of other near-death experience accounts because I never actually left my body. I was very much in it in this second second part of this near death experience. Um, Have you heard of that, where people are very firmly planted in their body (laughs) and having a no-death experience? (laughs)
2: Um, Less so. That's reported less so. Uh, People would more describe it in terms of being out-of-body. Some people wouldn't say that, uh, but it would be implied, I guess, by the researcher because of other descriptions of other elements of the experience. So one would think they're, they're... there is a, um, a sense of being disembodied here or out of body. Um, but some people will certainly state it in their reporting of their experience. Um, but the, it, it's interesting you speak about the, the feeling of gravity because actually that's often seen as a negative after-effect of the experience. So when someone is in the experience and then they're coming back into their body, they might state, um, I don't want to do that, I don't want to go back into that, because it means nothing to them. The body is meaningless for many, many experiencers who are conscious of it in the experience. Um, some people just end up back in their body. They're not thinking about it as they're going back, and some some are thinking about it, and it's often stated that the weight of the body is not a nice feeling, um, so Hearing your experience saying that that was actually, you had a, a different sense of that, um, shows how each of these experiences is unique, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and yours has different meanings um, for you.
1: Right, yeah. So I have, I have um, three more um, uh, parts to this profound experience, um, but it is time for us to take a short bra- break. Um, and when we come back, I'll continue with my near-death experience story. Uh, you're listening to light and radio with Jay-Z with and guest Ross Waddell and uh, we, when we come back, we'll uh, continue sharing more insights um, on our existence beyond the physical. <laughs>
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Do you want to know more of who you are? Do you realize your fullest potential yet? Would you like to be living in alignment with your divine truth? Jay-Z Bound facilitates guidance, transformation, and activations for groups and individuals who are on a path of spiritual development and wanting to raise their energetic frequency. Visit jayzbound.com and sign up for a package or a session and embrace your transcendence and transformation. Does empowering yourself to treat yourself or others on the dimensions beyond the physical resonate? with you? Learn Theta Healing or Intuitive Acupuncture with Z Bound. Intuitive Acupuncture is a class currently being developed by Z Bound for intuitives who would like to harness the powerful modality of acupuncture and for practitioners who are ready to work multidimensionally. Visit jzbound.com and register for a class today. Again, that's jzbown.com
1: We all want peace. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Lighten Radio. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to jay-z at jay-zbound.com. That's j-z-b-o-w-n dot com. Now back to Lighten Radio. Welcome back.
1: Um, I was um, sharing my five most significant things that had happened in my near-death experience. And number three, I was aware of a presence of energy in the room. um, And it was to my right side and above me. It was, um, I, I would say, spherical um, but I, I didn't know because I, I didn't look at it 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 felt good it was a supportive and a very powerful energy um, now now I know that that is a, a common trait you were saying is that the Western idea that's the tunnel perhaps or is that all um, or energy presence in in other countries or cultures as well
2: um, I don't think I could state that. Uh, it's it's not the tunnel. The tunnel is more a transition from um, one form of energy to another or from darkness to light or from a lighter intensity to a, a greater intensity. That would be sort of the tunnel or even the word tunnel is, that's disputed in the research a bit because um, it gave a name to an experience, but Often people won't wouldn't have said it was a tunnel prior to that. Some said it right. was. Some said it was just a transition. So, um, but <laughs> that's what people hear in the popular media. So they think you know you go through a tunnel of light, but, but that's not necessarily the case. Ah. Uh, so what you're describing is the is the presence of a spiritual spiritual energy, which could be in the form of a being. What we would think of as a being, or uh, the closest description for us would be personified in in the sense of it being a person Um, and you're describing it that it came after um, when you were in your hospital bed is that correct
1: that's right yeah it would have been at least a few hours later
2: Yeah, so some people do report that. Interestingly, where that's reported as well is in a related experience, which is nearing death awareness, where someone is dying, and they will die, um, and they're reporting beings present with them in the room um, as they're dying. So um, uh, it, it, it would be probably more commonly reported under the... The um, definition of nearing death awareness for people who are dying, um, right. but certainly some near death experiencers have that as a as a consequence of coming back into their body and uh, and you know being in pain as you stated and having a presence there a feeling a presence is there that is supportive of them and is, is maybe perhaps even there uh, healing them,
1: right. Um, I said and knew with conviction, this is uh, the number four um, profound thing uh, or section of this um, near-death experience, I I, I said, I don't know why you're here. It's not my time. I haven't become, even begun what I came here for. Um, And I just had this sense that it it wasn't needed, like why was it here? And and also I was aware that I did have a, a fear of leaving. I had a fear that I wouldn't come back, and but just this really strong knowing that it wasn't my time, and I wanted to stay to fulfill something. I had no idea what it was, um, and I hadn't heard of near-death experiences at the time, um, but if I knew what I know now, I probably would have uh, attempted to communicate more with this energy and uh, hopefully have some more cool experiences. <laughs>
2: Well, that is common. People saying, "You know, if I knew what it was, I, uh, I would have made more of it." But, uh, but you didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you uh, the experience you had was the experience you were meant to have, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. And, and and that, yeah, it's interesting you said that because in later years, I found out that I actually did write that near death experience into the script of this lifetime um to give me the certain information and tools um needed to carry out my my mission um yeah. my, what i what I wanted to accomplish in this lifetime so the last it's point interesting number... That
2: you're you're stating that these happened to you in in the hospital bed after you actually had what would be Defined as the experience. So, this is sort of like an after experience. And a lot of mm-hmm. what you're reporting is what other experiencers would have had when they were in the experience. So, when they were disembodied in some other place, uh, some other dimension or dimensions, um, that's where they would be um, experiencing the presence of uh, a spiritual a being, a spiritual being, um, and having. Uh, we'll say a conversation, but it wouldn't be actually talking. It would just be a communication about what you're describing, that um, is this my time or, or, more declaratively, this is not my time. Um, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what you're doing here. Um, and it would also be the place where experiencers, if they have this, these elements, um, would perhaps learn about their purpose um, or question their purpose. Now, when it gets to um, content that involves purpose or the meaning of your life, um, I tend to describe that element as part of a a core or a deep experience. Because some people just, just have the disembodied part and then they're back in their body and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. Other yeah, it seems it. like people go on to this other stage where they're, they're really in this other place and starting and to have get this knowledge. other life, as it were.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they get knowledge, which was what you were getting, although you got it back in your body. So That's kind of different from some others, but, but more commonly, if you've had a deep experience, and those are, are less common, but certainly people do have them, um, you, you get knowledge, and the knowledge could come about anything. Um, but it's often about yourself, your own life, um, or the life, lives of people that you love. So, um, so you had all of that, but in a different place. In this
1: place. Mm. Um, and the last, the last uh, part, the um, profound part, number five. I had the most intense feeling of love, and it was so powerful that it, it actually. It overrode the meaning of all other things in life. It was a knowing that ultimately all things are love or overshadowed by love. It was it was as if you could imagine the most tragic thing, and it didn't even matter because there was love. Um, and and the word love didn't even seem appropriate because it, it, it weakens it or belittles that feeling that I had in some way because people's definitions of love are so much less than that particular purest form that I had experienced. And I think that's and a fairly common experience, the love, is that not, right?
2: It It is, but how it's experienced and how it's described by people is quite variable. So if you've had a um, an experience with only a few elements, um, you may experience the love, um, but... That's the extent of it. Uh, if you've had a deep experience, you understand the meaning of the love. Um, so um, people will report, for example, that what you stated, that it's not just you're feeling love, but that everything is made up of love. That is the energy of everything that exists. Or mm-hmm. um, another report is f- it's focusing on the, the unconditional nature of that love, or it could be the unconditional nature of love for yourself. Um, that's, that's not often reported, but by people who have very deep experiences, that's what they might state is that it's the most important thing they learned was to love yourself and to love yourself unconditionally. Um, also, it's probably necessary for me at this time to say that not every Experiencer has a blissful experience. Some people have distressing experiences. So they don't experience the love. They experience the opposite. But in their coming back into their body and into this, this life or this, this in, um, embodiment, um, they still, many of them, still change as a consequence. They learn something from the experience that perhaps leads them more to um, an understanding of what love is. We don't have as many of these distressing experiences reported for obvious reasons. It's, it's difficult to report it if you've had a blissful experience, but if you've had a distressing one, you're even less likely to report it. But they yeah, do occur. I can see
1: I can see that happening for sure.
2: Yeah, they do occur.
1: Hmm. And and actually. Um, I think, because it took me about, um, well, it took me until I saw a documentary um, where there was a number of near-death experiences ex- giving their um, experience, where I, I heard that there was a common theme of this um, love that people had felt, and, and that's when I found out that I had a near-death experience, because until then, I didn't even know I had one. All I knew was that 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 love thing that I experienced was very profound. Experience, in in fact, it was the coolest thing that had ever happened in my life.
2: Yeah, and um, going back to my original definition, um, it's quite an open-ended definition because um, if you've only had some of the elements, then you know the the more we try to put a definition around things, um, the more limiting it is. Um, So the definition I've used is more open to the experience that you personally had, any experiencer personally has, and what they understand the meaning of it to be. So I'm looking at it. um, I'm not looking at the phenomenon from above and saying, okay, here's the list of elements, and you've had this many, and therefore you've had an experience. The, The important thing to me is what you think is. Meant and what it did for you in your life. And um, so, even the person who has the distressing experience can find the uh, um, or learn about love as a consequence of it, or learn about something else that gives meaning to their life as a consequence of what they went through. Right, That's what yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and would would you say that uh, it, it appears that what the person experiences it, it was right for them?
2: That that's a good way of putting it. Um, I, I, there's nothing right and there's nothing wrong. <laughs> now, some experiencers actually state that they learned that in their experience from they just learned it or there was a a presence that stated that to them, there is no right and there is no wrong. And this is kind of difficult for us mortals to understand because it implies that there's no morality or there's no, you know, moral choice we make. But the experiences who report this, there's there's less of them, of course, um, because these are really deep experiences. Um, where this occurs, but um, another way of viewing it is the difference between love and fear. So they will state that everything is made of love. It it, it is composed of love, Um, or the energy that is love. And the opposite of that is fear, because fear is really fear of not knowing. And when you know what everything is, then you'd have no reason to fear it, because you know you continue to exist. This is how they would Describe it. It, it. Everything continues to exist. It does not end. So there's no fear of an end, um, and and so um, what we understand as being right and wrong in this life is not really um, what they're reporting when they experience uh, have a disembodied experience from from this life. Um, you have to really think about it a lot to think, to understand how this might change, you know, as you live your daily life. You know, um, the fact that maybe you're just here to experience things and learn from them and learn about how to love other people more.
1: Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it, it's so interesting. I, you know, I, I'm just thinking this really should be a. Uh, uh, at least one class that is taught in um, the public school system to educate people, you know, <laughs> okay, look, this is what's, what you know, people are reporting when they die. to dis- So that people go out into the world, you know, with a different perspe- pers- perspective, and are less likely to buy into fear beliefs or fear beliefs and feelings to arise. Would you not agree?
2: It would be nice, but um, I'm also realistic. <laughs> and at the moment, um, it's it's difficult to do education on this topic. Um, it's the ions is is doing education, but it's difficult. You um, you have to find people and places that are open to the potential of of uh, exploring this topic. Um, there there are efforts to um, do medical education because often the experiencers will happen in a medical setting, Um, the experiencer will report to a medical professional and then they may depending on the professional they report to, they may be told that, well, this didn't exist, it it didn't happen, or I don't want to hear about it, or just forget about it, it'll be negated in some way and that can cause a lot of difficulties for the experiencer. So we do have um, I think a responsibility, a professional responsibility to try to educate medical professionals as well as the public about this, but it's difficult mm-hmm. because we live in a world that is very um, materialist focused. Um, I think it's changing with new developments in physics. I think that is where we will come together um, between uh, the what's happening in physics and what's happening in the research that's going on with these kind of phenomenon, those will come together at some point, and I think fairly soon, actually, and then I think things will shift, um, and it'll be easier to do that kind of education.
1: Well, I'm pleased to hear it because, um, yeah, um, one thing that I, I had thought um, a, a number of years later is, you know, if, if so many people are saying th- th- uh, similar things... I, is that not evidence, you know? <laughs> is that not a suggestion that there's, there's, there is some merit to what these people are saying, you know? Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, I, I it really... It is
2: evidence, but it, it's, it's how, what we think of as being evidence. So in, in science, in most science, it's very, you know, materialist, objective, um, empirical, you know, empirical, Empiricism mm-hmm. is an important method um it it, it helps us but if we ex- start excluding phenomena because they don't fit in our theories then we have a problem and i've always stated that um it is the the non normal is where we need to always be looking in science, to the things that don't fit into the existing theories, that don't fit into the existing understandings of life. Um, always we should, we should be looking at that. And there's many scientists that try to pr- give a physiological explanation, a physiological causation for the near-death experience, and they've never proven their position. They think they're proving it by disproving you know, the anecdotal evidence that comes from experiencers. But disproving a position of someone else does not prove your own position. So I think we have a stalemate at the moment where, where there's different, um, there's not consensus on what constitutes evidence. Um, but, but as I said, and I can't go into the, the physics side of things because it would be a show unto itself, but I think Physics is showing that what we understand to be um, sort of real is not necessarily that, um, and, and we have to expand that understanding, and we have to include all phenomena. And this near-death experience is a, is a cluster of phenomena, a constellation of phenomena that has meaning to the people who, who have the experience, and for me that's what i'm interested in i don't really care about the supposed physiological explanations it doesn't matter to me what matters is what it means for the person who went through it and how it changes them that's what
1: matters yeah well thank you so much for sharing sharing all of that it's time for us to take a short break and when we come back we'll continue to share insights on our existence beyond the physical
0: This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Do you want to know more of who you are? Do you realize your fullest potential yet? Would you like to be living in alignment with your divine truth? Jay-Z Bound facilitates guidance, transformation, and activations for groups and individuals who are on a path of spiritual development and wanting to raise their energetic frequency. Visit jayzbound.com and sign up for a package or a session and embrace your transcendence and transformation. Does empowering yourself to treat yourself or others on the dimensions beyond the physical resonate with you? Learn Theta Healing or Intuitive Acupuncture with Jay-Z Bound. Intuitive Acupuncture is a class currently being developed by Jay Z Bound for intuitives who would like to harness the powerful modality of acupuncture and for practitioners who are ready to work multidimensionally. Visit jzbound.com and register for a class today. Again, that's jzbown.com. We are all searching for a deeper meaning in life.
2: The possibility exists to create our life from the perspective of our true divine nature where the experience of joy, love, abundance, freedom, and peace is our birthright. On the Inner Frontier, host Darlene Green presents a new topic every week with a high-frequency conversation to support a gentle revealing of the divine that is unique to you. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific time and 2 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel for the inner frontier.
0: Be visionary. This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. You are listening to Lighten Radio. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to jay-z at com. That's com. Now back to Lighten Radio. This is Jay Z Bown, and I'm
1: joined by Ross Waddell, the co leader of the IANS, the International Association of Near Death Studies. Um, so, what leads up to a near death experience typically?
2: Yeah, I like how you put that leads up because um, often people ask, "What's the cause?" Well, it, it, there is no cause that things, in the sense that we understand that word, um, it's it's a precipitant. What comes before is more how to describe it. And I said before that it it can be um, as a result of a crisis. Um, how we think of a crisis is something sudden and discontinuous, or that change changes from our normal daily existence. Most people think near-death experiences happen because of a physical event. Um, it could be an illness or an injury. Um, they would usually think of it in terms of an acute illness or something critical that happened that maybe was traumatic. Um, like you have a heart attack and you end up in the emergency room at the hospital and then you leave your body and, and, and move through the experience. Um, that is often complex what is commonly reported, but it can happen as a result of a more chronic illness that takes, uh, has a much longer entry into the experience, Um, and it can happen as a consequence of a psychological event um, that doesn't involve really any sort of um, existential threat to the body itself, um, but often is understood as being a threat to the body, such as with sexual abuse. so increasingly, too, our understanding of the experience is expanding to include these related experiences, like nearing death awareness, which happens when someone is dying. I mentioned that before. Another kind of experience is called shared death experiences. that occurs when someone who is living is present um, with someone who is dying and who will die. And when I say present, it's usually in the same place as that person, but not necessarily. You could be in a, you know, miles away. Um, and they go into, the, the person who's living goes into the experience with the person who's dying. So all of the elements that are described for the near-death experience, um, the shared death experience includes some of those, but not all of them. Um, so these experiences as a as a constellation of experiences are are now sort of, uh, labeled spiritually transformative experiences. It's the term we have right now. It's not the term I like, really, because to say spiritual implies that something isn't spiritual. Um, I think everything is could be defined as spiritual from the perspective of experiencers, so I prefer to just use the term existential, which means that I exist, I am, I am, you know, I I am. And I think that's... that's way to describe it, but you can basically get an experience doing anything, but it usually involves some discontinuity, usually a sudden discontinuity with normal life.
1: Right, that's that's very interesting. I'd like to um, um, share how that near-death experience has changed me or or what I feel I, I, I got out of it. Um, one was I, I just felt like I knew more, and I knew more than people who I thought were, you know, quite wise previously. I just instantly knew more. It was it wasn't like I'd been infused with a whole bunch of details of information, but more of a case of my consciousness had expanded in such a way that my vantage point was now forever different. Um, instead of living very much in the materialistic world, I was, I was not. I was looking at things at a, in a bigger picture. And and it also set me free of, of many limitations. It assisted greatly in se- my self-trust and, and also responsibility, taking responsibility for myself, my life. Uh, what will I choose to accept or believe in others? Um, and I was very conscious of how I was spending my time from then on. And, and to be honest, I actually developed a bit of a panic. It was a bit of a negative thing. Um, uh, f- you know, fear of missed opportunities, uh, how to most effectively use my time. Um, our time here is very limited. And I, I just wanted to want to live it constructively and be fulfilled. Um, and I had a strong perception up until that point that, Previously, I had just been existing rather than living. I was only 18 and I'd been at school my whole life. I hadn't had the chance to do what I wanted to do or experience. Um, So it empowered me to be more of a creator, to take responsibility on what I was experiencing in my daily life and what it was I wanted to set out to accomplish. Uh, I had also lost any fear of death or dying. I feel a sense of indifference as someone transitions or is about to transition or has passed on. It's lovely to continue living and it's lovely to die. One is not better than the other. It's just a different experience. Um, And then after I realized I'd actually had uh, the near-death experience, the profound thing I thought was, well, (laughs) how come we've got so many first-hand accounts of people having these experiences with some common elements and and it isn't common knowledge. H- how come? You know, I found it, it baffling and quite square, s- scary, quite frankly, because, you know, how long has humanity been here? And people are having these experiences, and we still are not clear. You know, the general public is still not clear, um, or clearer than what they are. Let's put it that way. Um,
2: so well, the, the, rep- the reports go back, you know, centuries, millennia, we have records of, of experiences going back that far. Um, and because so much of the reporting came through religious texts, um, that partly explains why, <laughs> why we are in the situation we're in, where um, in the religious world, um, there's control over those texts and how those texts are used. And then in the world of science, which Probably positions itself pretty much exclusively as non non spiritual or non religious. Um, it, it has a different paradigm. So the, there's there's two different paradigms operating here, and, and the two haven't come together. And yes, we do have all these reports, but we have we don't have as many reports as there are people in the world, um, and the the number of uh, People who have had these—it's been estimated maybe one in ten. I—I I don't think we can really estimate it honestly because there's lots of people who never report. At number one, um, increasingly people are reporting as they hear others have done that. But we still don't know how many people are and, out there. Who
1: and have and had who it. would you report it to anyway?
2: You well, exactly. <laughs> and if you report it to a medical professional, I've already stated what might happen if you did that. So some some medical professionals would listen and understand, but I think most of them probably wouldn't. Um, so, and then you, because of that, because you've been negated in your reporting, you don't tell anybody else for sometimes decades, and um, and then you have to live with the effects um, on your own without knowing. You know, being able to have a communication with someone else about it. So um, I, I do say this, though, that if I'm doing a talk and there's 20 people in the room, there will be at least one other experiencer there. Now, of course, the people that are coming to that talk are those that are open to it or who have had the experience. So obviously you would expect to get one or two. Well, I would usually get at least one or two in a room of 20. So... Um, I think they're more common than we might know, but I would not want to put a number on it because I just don't think we have enough of, uh, statistical data to state that, that what its occurrence really is. Um, and when you were talking about the after-effects, um, a lot of what you're stating is what other people would state too. The number one after-effect is, is the loss of fear of death, even if you've had only one or two elements in your experience, sometimes even if you've had a stressful experience, you might lose the fear of death because at least you know or you think you know what you're going to. (laughs) Um, So in a strange way, knowledge is power in that sense. Um, If you do specifically know because you experienced it, like you knew what the meaning of life was or you knew um, uh, that life in your experience does not end, um, that that has power, too, and that can have what we would describe as positive effects, and it can have negative effects. For example, if you know with certainty something, then that takes the stress away from from living it. But you could, for example, um, be more what we would describe as psychically open to other people. Um, Some experiencers, usually those with deeper core experiences, will report that, after they've had the experience, they're walking down the street and they know what everyone's thinking and feeling. That can be very difficult because it's overwhelming. You know, how do you, how do you handle that much information coming into you? So they actually, at some point, many of them make a decision to try to shut that down um, because they can't live their own life because there's just too much information coming in from other places. So the experience it, it has two sides coming out of it. The effects can can be multiple. Um, even one aspect can have two sides to it. Um, and it sounds like you know you, because you had a deeper experience, um, you were self conscious of the effects, but you also did some things to try to um, better handle those effects um, so that you could continue to live your life as you wanted to
1: Right um, Thank you so much for, for joining me today on, on Leiden Radio and sharing your wealth of knowledge on the subject of near-death experiences It's been such a fun topic and a joy to have you on the show
2: well, Thanks for having me on the show and uh, it's, it's nice to talk to you again and to hear about your experience again and uh, I think it'd be helpful to let the listeners know that not only can experiencers being changed by having this happen but so can can you by listening to someone tell their story about it
1: yes thank you so much for for saying that um, it, yeah really just knowledge right I mean it really does change a person um, my, my father, who, who is in spirit, he told me um, he wished he had made more of an effort to leave the world a better place whilst he was alive. And your opportunity is now. It is you who decides how bright to shine your light by taking responsibility for your intentions and your actions. So I hope you're inspired from today's topic to consider what efforts you're putting into your life, um, what you'd like to achieve or accomplish beyond the materialistic. And um, I really hope that you know we have dispelled some fears around the uh, subject of of um, dying or the physical body dying. Um, I'd I'd like for everyone to realize and express and live their limitlessness and their highest and fullest potential in this lifetime by by holding the intention and paying attention to your intuition, feelings, and emotions. If you would like more information about me and my services, please visit www.jzbound.com. And next week, I am joined by a client who I will be giving a session to using the techniques of intuitive acupuncture, theta healing, and medical intuition. I'll see you next week on Lighten Radio.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Lighten Radio. Please join your host, Jay-Z Bound for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become your best you this week.